Hi there, I'm Andrew Karras, Chief Operating Officer at Anglo Invokers Vancouver, and this is On Top of the Market. Today on On Top of the Market, we had the pleasure of having uh, Don Maddox on. Don Maddox uh, not only operates uh, Angle Invoker's Western Frontier in Montana, but she's also one of Montana's top real estate advisors. Uh, we spoke about pretty much everything, Angle Invoker's, upcoming events that we have, COVID, you name it. And I, I absolutely just love Don and I love her insight. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy listening to her as well. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm super excited to have Don Maddox with me. Don Maddox is one of the top real estate advisors in all of Montana, and she also operates Angle Invokers Western Frontier, which is a collection of eight offices, I believe, or seven, eight, ten. How many do you have now, Don? Actually, we're at nine. Nine. Holy Mm -hmm. moly. That's just mind-boggling to me, but congratulations. Yeah, Um, Somebody I've met over the years through Angle Invokers. We've been both lucky enough to be part of private office. We're both uh, licensed partners and uh, just always gotten along every time we've ever met each other. And so thank you for coming on our podcast. This is the first time that we're doing um, kind of a remote, uh, getting it from somebody else somewhere else and uh, trying to do it over Zoom, which is super fun. And so pod, your podcast is called Angle Invokers Talks. Uh, we're called On Top of the Market. And so this is Angle Invokers talks about being on top of the market, maybe. <laughs> um, I do a segment uh, quite often that's called 10 Questions With. So I uh, would like to do 10 questions with uh, Don Maddox. And, uh, and then I would like to give you the opportunity to uh, ask me any questions you'd like as well. And hopefully people find it interesting and we can move on from there. So yeah, that sounds why don't perfect. You s- can you start by sharing with all the people here in British Columbia what it's like to live in Montana? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. And do you mean like compared to somewhere else? I just mean generally. Like what's the, what's the feel? What's the vibe of Montana? Mm-hmm. Mon- I think I it's a lot like BC, by the way. I know. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, actually, I think it's very, very similar. Um, It is, we have a, you know, we're known as big sky country, Um, beautiful, big, wide open blue skies in the spring and summer, of course, Missoula, where our kind of headquarters office is, we're a little bit, we have some inversion sometimes, so we don't have the blue skies all winter, but wide open spaces, we have rivers, lakes, trails, wildlife, um, lots of trees, ponderosa pines, like it's just a really lovely, lovely place. my favorite seasons are spring, summer, and fall. The winters are beautiful until, um, you know, right about January 2nd. Then I'm like, okay, I'm over it. Um, it's a little cold. It's a little cold. Then they last a while too. So unfortunately mm-hmm. we can kind of, they can, they can go for a while. But I think, I feel like if, as long as you're good to go on vacation in like maybe February or March, <laughs> then, it's, <laughs> then it's perfect. So yeah, I, I love it here. One thing, I, Ponderosa Pine, I read is actually the tree, uh, official tree of Montana, I believe. Am I correct? Yeah, see, done my research, right? Um, I also know it's called the Big Sky Country, the Treasure State, and the Land of Shining Mountains. Now, I did not did know, you that. know that. You just uh, taught me something new. The last the best mountains. place. The land of best place. The last best place. I thought that was a pretty cool one, too. Um, we like to call British Columbia God's country. Uh, I think they sound 
almost exactly the same. So I have a, I mean, apart from the big city of Vancouver, uh, which is, you know, a little bit different, a little bit more metropolitan, metropolitan, I suppose. Um, I think that Montana sounds exactly like BC and I'm going to kind of put myself on the spot here, but I actually didn't know that Montana bordered BC. How silly is that? Did you know that? I did. You didn't know that? Yeah. I didn't know that. I always thought it was right underneath Alberta and Saskatchewan. And then I looked at the map and we actually connect at the top side of British Columbia. So I feel like my geography teachers let me down when I was a kid, I suppose. But, <laughs> um, but it's, it's pretty amazing landscape. Yeah. And I think I shared with you before, I actually have family in Vancouver. Um, my grandparents lived there. My mom grew up in Vancouver and I grew up in eastern Washington, which also borders, it borders Osuyas. Um, Osuyas, yeah. And we share Osuyas Lake, um, Washington and Washington and um, BC share Osuyas Lake. So, um, so yeah. I don't actually remember you telling me that, to be perfectly honest. But that's that's pretty awesome. Oh, maybe I didn't. Yeah. Know. Maybe. So I when are you, why have you not come visit me? Yeah. Why why are you being up here other than COVID? Obviously, in the last other year. Other than but, COVID, yeah, uh, I haven't been yeah. there in a long time. I I do I do still have some relatives there, but I haven't been there in a long time. That's such a beautiful. City. I used to love Vancouver when I lived in Eastern Washington, or no, I'm sorry, when I lived in um, Seattle, I went to Vancouver pretty frequently. I had a boyfriend yeah. there oh, once. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Oh, Canadian boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't get into that. <laughs> That's not one of my questions on my 10, <laughs> ten questions. Okay, well. sorry. So I'm, I'm getting, I, we digress. Yeah, we digress exactly. Um, can you can you share with me? I like I'm super interested personally. I've been I read a lot about you, and uh, you know, as part of our network, I, I've really had a pleasure of meeting you over the time. Uh, every time we get together, we have a good laugh and so on and so forth. But I would love to know your history before real estate. I don't think I've ever I've ever asked you that. I don't really know when you came into it. I did a little pre-reading before the podcast to kind of get an idea. But what what got you into real estate? Um, so, um, I'm trying to think of what year that would have been. So I've been in real estate for 11 years. I had a marketing company before that. And so my background was, um, was marketing and I was in radio sales for a number of years and then kind of branched off and did, um, started my own marketing company. So, um, uh, when the, when we had our recession, I was a single mom at that time. And of course, one place that people cut back budgets is their marketing budget. Um, so just kind of knowing that that was maybe on the horizon, I thought, man, I've got to do something else. I feel like I had referred people to maybe realtors before and they wouldn't follow up or they didn't hear back. And I just thought, gosh, I just felt like I was, um, it, I, well, and honestly, I kind of looked at marketing that other brokerages or realtors did. And I just thought, I think I can just do that a little bit differently, um, mm -hmm. just from a marketing perspective. And so and so I did. So I jumped in. I got my license. We always laugh that um, our marketing director now, uh, Katie, is still is still with me. She's been with me for about 15 years. So she was with me in the marketing company. And I remember oh, I came cool. in and said, yeah, I came in one day and said, I think I'm going to get my real estate license and and go down that path. And she was like, oh, my gosh, that's a horrible idea. So I always <laughs> tease her about that because it, it obviously worked out to be a pretty good decision. Um, so I think having that marketing background honestly has been such a huge part of my success because it just pairs so nicely with, with real estate. So it's been a lot of fun. And honestly, my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. It's, it's such a great industry. 
You know, that, that's a really interesting point, like not doing something sooner. But I actually think that real estate is one of these great professions that if you can bring some experience or some knowledge that you have from being successful somewhere else, you can really translate it into real estate as long as you understand the client experience and taking care of people and you, you know your focus. But you do need a little bit of something, a little bit of life experience in order, to, I think, to really do it really well. Or you need to get in the business and go work for somebody else. But I noticed here that you were newcomer of the year when you got into real estate in Montana. Is that correct? I was. Like, how yeah, do you was, how do you win an award like that? That's pretty spectacular. Uh, like, that's that, a hard thing to do. You're voted on by that. That's through like our association. So ours here is um, is the Missoula Organization of Realtors. So you're voted on by your peers. So that was really an honor. I started at Windermere, um, and that was a great company, and and I learned a lot there. That was awesome. And so newcomer of the year, my first year. Um, more exciting to me was my second year. I was the top producer in our MLS. Um, so that, in, and that in was in year two. Yeah. Year two. And that was, um, I, I'm so horrible at this. I'm trying to think of what year that would have been. So that would have been 2010, right? Yeah. 2010. Um, and so, you know, the, the market was still recovering, but I almost think in many ways it was kind of a, a good thing or a blessing that I started during the recession. And I remember everybody was bailing out of real estate. I think we went from 800 to 400 members in our MLS um, in that time. And I remember people saying, why are you getting into real estate now? Everybody is getting out, you know, the market's tanked. Mm -hmm. And my thought process was, I, I mean, I get that, but I, what a great time to learn, like what that'll give mm -hmm. me time to really get my feet under me because everything cycles, you know, the market will mm -hmm. come back. Of course. And hopefully by that time, I'll have enough experience to, to really, um, kind of be on top of the game. So I just treated it like any other job. I came in every day from nine to five. And, and then of course, you know, once you get busy, it's no longer nine to five. It's, it's a lot more. 24-7. It's, exactly, a, it's a yeah. lifestyle is what it is. Yeah. I uh, My father, when I got into the business, he said to me, okay, I need you here Monday to Friday, nine to five, and then you need to be available any other time of the day. <laughs> and, and that's about and it. I was right? like, okay, okay. But I was young how, enough that it was how okay. that turned out for you. I mean, that's the thing. I think a lot of people get into real estate kind of thinking it's going to be a fun hobby and they'll have so much freedom um, and they can dictate their own schedule and they don't realize like, I mean, I, I, I tell our new uh, recruits, you know, this is the most money that I've made, but it's also the hardest I've ever worked. Like yeah. you have to be yeah. ready for what's yeah. ahead. And then now I'm at a point where, as I'm sure you are not, actually your position changed, right? You're not selling anymore. Yeah, I'm not this last, uh, I guess it's been about a year and a half. I kind of just focused on, uh, on running the, the business. And so uh, that was a choice of my own that I decided to make just for health reasons and whatnot. And, kind and of, that's a full-time job. Burnt right? out. And that's, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. good for yeah, the yeah. brokerage. So, I mean, that's, well, that's a full-time job. It kind of leads me to, actually, you know, I want to want to point to something else. Uh, you know, you, you brought up that uh, you were second year, you were like top uh top of the MLS uh, in your second year. I, I can't even fathom that. Like I started as a uh, new realtor and I was lucky enough and like blessed enough to be my dad's assistant for my first few years to learn the ropes and to get introduced into the business. I don't understand how somebody, and I know a couple other people who have done this, um, Jeff Fitzpatrick from our office, I believe was a rookie of the year with our, with our board at one time. And uh, I don't get how you can just get into the business and be that good that quickly. Like what was the secret to that? Again, what do you I, think you I did? did the marketing, but I worked so hard. I mean, I worked yeah. so hard. You know, I just every day I worked um, really hard. And then I, you know, yeah. marketing is such a big piece of that. And I've told the story before, but I remember that we went to kind of in that time frame. I met my husband. And so we were dating and we had gone to a social event. And I remember one of his partners said, 
oh my gosh, like you're doing so well. I see you everywhere. Like you're just killing it in the real estate. And I literally had not made a single penny. Um, so, yeah. you know, perception is reality. Marketing is key. And that's kind of really what I think really got me going. And then, like I said, I just didn't stop. I just worked. Investing in your business too. That's a thing some people don't realize is how expensive the business can be to invest yourself fully into it, right? There's a lot of things that you have to do. So that, I mean, that's, that's the key. Um, you and went it's from wind it's an expensive business. Oh, not even just, I mean, not just the marketing and all that sort of stuff, but just like, you know, uh, what you need to do to keep yourself operational at all times. Right. I mean, licensing alone, I don't know about in Montana, but up here, it's quite expensive to be licensed and to maintain your license and pay your monthly dues and all that sort of stuff. So you need to be consistent or you're going to be quickly out of the business is what basically That's we right. learned uh, when you get into it really new. Um, but I train a lot of new people that come into the business and I always tell them like your expectation is shouldn't be your first six months to a year should not be an expectation that you're going to just kill it. Uh, but obviously you manage to, and there's other people who do as well. Um, and so I'm always curious to know what the trick is. And so that's why I asked you the question, <laughs> what can I share with other people in my office? Right. Another broker I remember that had had success, um, that worked at Windermere at that time. I remember him telling me like, I just kind of set my sights on, I know if I have one closing a week, um, then mm -hmm. I'm doing well. And so I remember mm -hmm. thinking, oh my gosh, I hope I can have one closing a week at some point. Um, and do you mm -hmm. remember when you first started, like every single deal, you kind of sit down and figure out, you know, what you're going to make so you can finally get caught up on your bills. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, well, exactly right. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And sometimes you're, you're doing really, really well, but you're just trying to catch up right? When you're new in the, in the business and you're spending all this money and you, and you got to also remember when that money comes in, you got to put some back out in order to promote yourself that much, you know, more and, 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 and never get your foot off the gas. That's the other thing. Like people get tired and they're like, I need a break. I need a break. But when you're hot, you got to keep rolling with it because that, you know, business leads to business, right? It's just the next thing comes up. And so you went from Windermere and then you went to Sotheby's, correct? You were a Sotheby's agent at one time? Um, actually, right? I actually I, I started Maddox Real Estate Group. Um, so oh, I had okay. that for one year. I left Windermere, started. I had I was talking to Sotheby's and started Maddox Real Estate Group. Bought my building downtown. Um, had Maddox Real Estate Group for one year, which is about how long it took for Sotheby's to get it together and approve the market. And um, and mm -hmm. so then I sold Maddox Real Estate Group to um, the the Sotheby's franchise that's here. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so we have a similar story in that sense. We went from, uh, I went, I started at a company called McDonald Realty. We went to Sotheby's and then we ended up joining Angle Invokers. And so that leads me to my next question. Like what drew you to this brand? Like what drew you to Angle Invokers and what is it that kind of makes it so unique to you and to your, your network and how does it work in Montana? Like what do people love about Angle Invokers um, in Montana? Yeah. Um, I'm so, I'm a huge believer that, you know, I, I'm a huge believer in manifestation and intention and, um, and the universe. And so I kind of believe the universe puts things in your path and you keep paying attention um, and, and pursue those paths and you'll have success. So what had happened is, interesting story, Sotheby's had put out a marketing piece that showed where people were going online worldwide to find luxury um, real estate companies. So they commissioned the report. So of course they were number one on the graph. Right below them was Engel Invokers. And I remember talking to an associate and saying, who is Engel Invokers? Like, I've never even heard of them. At that time, I had Shelter Island listed. So I was like, how is this one of my main competitors out there? And I've never even heard of them. 
So Googled them, saw that Anthony Hitt was running the company. I was familiar with him just because he was a big name and said that, you know, he, he mm-hmm. was the top producer in the world for Sotheby's mm-hmm. at one time. So saw that, saw that Paul Benson had joined, knew him from Sotheby's um, and thought, huh, interesting, kind of put it in the back of my brain. Um, our neighbor and good friends that we go back in the days when we had date nights before the pandemic, um, <laughs> every Thursday night, we would go out for, for dinner and drinks. And he said, hey, I want to talk to you. My cousin just went to work for this really cool boutique um, European brokerage. And, you know, I think that you should connect with him. And I was like, oh, really? You know, what's the, what company is that? And he said, Angle and Volkers. I was like, wow, that's so weird. I literally just Googled them. So kind of again, and I said at that time, I was like, I'm trying to work out. My contract had just ended. I was on a three-year contract with Sotheby's. And I said that my contract has just ended. Let me, you know, I, I'm not ready to do anything. I'm really trying to work out um, the, you know, terms of, of my next journey here. And I'm trying to work it out with Sotheby's. So not yet, but thank you. And then mm-hmm. I was driving up to our lake house. And um, at that time, Pollyanna Snyder, who you know from mm-hmm. private office yep, and yep. Um, she's one of the licensed partners in Bozeman and, and mm-hmm. Billings, I think a couple other markets now. Um, she had this marina listed in Lakeside. And so I'm tra- driving to my lake house and I look and there's a huge banner that says Anglin Bokers. I was like, oh my God, I get it. <laughs> I get it. So the universe had spoken. Bokers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and in that time, I mean, as you know, you know how those things go. Like I tried really hard to kind of work things out where I was at and it just wasn't, um, this just kept drawing me, just kept drawing me. Mm-hmm. Like everything I was trying to accomplish there was being offered tenfold here. Um, and I called Jake Steppen one day and said, okay, yep. I'm ready. Yep. Send me the contract. And so, and the rest is history. I remember calling Paul Benson and he was like, Don, everything they told you, um, that they were going to do for you, it, they will do for you. I mean, they, you're going to be so impressed with the level of service. And that absolutely is true, still true today. Yeah, still true today. It, it's funny, you know, uh, the thing I love most about Angle and Volkers compared to previous places that I've worked is that you just mentioned a whole bunch of different names. They're all very important people at the company and very influential people in the company. And I know them all. And you I know can them call well. them or I text could, them. Yeah, right I could call them anytime. Exactly. Yeah. That's And I, 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 I that sell too. that all the time. The connections that this company makes and the way they make relationships, but also the type of people that they go after. When we when we joined Angle Invokers, they came to us. They, they said, we need to talk to you. And we kind of did the same thing. We had sort of heard about this company, but it wasn't really anywhere on the map in Canada. Um, Scott and Jim were, were just starting out with it in Victoria. And I, you know, they, they kind of were very patient with us. They just gave us information. They weren't pushy. They said, we think that you're the right people in Vancouver for this, and we would like you to do it. And uh, we took that as a huge compliment. And, uh, but we weren't really sure we wanted to. Uh, we were doing quite well. We had a really bustling little 35 person office and it was life was simple and, uh, and, uh, we couldn't say no, we just couldn't say no. And we're happy we didn't because it's, a uh, it's this amazing network of people with really, really great backgrounds and the ability to do what we're doing right now and, and feel personable. It's not like we're strangers, Don. I mean, it, you know, you and I have talked many, many times before in different events and, and I'm so sad and that I've we're not able to do this year. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we might need We're to explain this a little bit. <laughs> we might need to explain that a little bit. That is, that could come across as a little bit inappropriate uh, in the sense of, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. I, I just mentioned that we don't get to see each other that often, but we do usually come see each other at Exchange, uh, which is uh, our, our conference that England Volkers puts together. They're calling it EVX now. Uh, and I, um, 
I was a speaker at Exchange uh, back in 2018, was it? You said it was your first year that you were at Exchange, correct? So that was when we met you? Yeah. Um, was it 17 or 18? I think it was 18. I think it was yeah. 18. And yeah. you were a, that's the year that you won the cup. So. We, won the, we won the cup, and I think that's why they were asking me to speak. But I, I'll, I'll tell the story because we, we kind of need to tell the story now that we've gotten into it a little bit here. And we don't want people to listen and go, oh, my God, why did Don see Andrew's underwear, which is a little bit of an interesting conversation. Um, but, yeah, I was, I, was, I was geared to speak. I was incredibly nervous. I was going to go up on stage with Anthony after he did his grand opening for the, in Seattle. We were in Seattle. And uh, I'm sitting at the back room, and I'm actually with Sven Odia, and uh, the two of us are kind of just chatting and he was giving me it was funny because Sven is our CEO for anybody who's listening uh, in Germany he's a wonderful person and him and I were just chatting and he was teasing me about how I was speaking before him which he thought was pretty funny and I was really nervous and I went and sat down in my seat and I reached under my chair to get my water and my pants split from literally my belt at the top to my knee and I'm just mortified and I got up and I, I go back to see um uh, Jill Da Silva, who was behind me, and I'm like, Jill, and she's like, oh my God, Andrew, oh my God, what are we going to do? I jokingly looked at Sven and said, I need your pants. He kind of <laughs> laughed at me, and he's like, what are you going to do? And I, I didn't know what to do, but I had all of about two minutes to make a decision, so I just got to the very bottom of the stage, and as soon as Anthony called me up, I jumped up there as quickly as I could, thought nobody saw anything, and then I sat down, and I looked in front of me, and the lady, there's a somebody, there's a crowd from Montreal was sitting there, and they were just like mortified. They were holding their faces and they were pointing at me like like making sure I knew. And I'm like, I know, I know. And then poor Anthony was the only person who didn't know because he didn't get to see it. And so I had to let everybody in on our secret. But the 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 storyline there was that uh, the the theme of that event was this is us. And so because I was the first speaker and it was this big embarrassing moment and we got through it quite well and everybody, like I sat down and this is kind of like speaks to our network, I guess, is I sat down, I'm in front of about whatever it was, 800 people and I've, I've never spoken in front of a big group of people before, so I was nervous enough as it was. And I looked out and everybody's sort of snickering and laughing and, and all sorts of, but I saw all these faces I knew. Like I knew everybody. I, and so I felt like I was just kind of at home and I was like, eh, whatever. And so I stopped Anthony and said, listen, they're all laughing at me because I, I just ripped my pants and they all saw my you know, underwear as I came up the stage. And he's like, oh, do you wear pink underwear? And everybody started yelling red <laughs> from the crowd because oh, I was wearing red boxers. It, so. At least it was the England Boker's color. Uh, and at least yeah, wore so, underwear because dear God, that yeah. was a disaster. <laughs> that would have been a disaster for the crowd. <laughs> I, I I think at the end of the day, what was the best out of that whole thing was that, you know, people, um, A, supported me, B, how comfortable I felt in a room like that. And I think that's maybe a really good story to tell about the, the company and the brand is that you can be in this professional environment, but we're all still human and we don't have to like worry about being anything but ourselves and we can laugh at ourselves and we don't we don't take each other too seriously but we do our job really 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 well so i was still able to get up there still able to give the presentation i slinked off the stage sideways i think i think yeah it was fun and uh and uh, yeah so there's the story about how don maddox uh saw my underwear which is not nearly as inappropriate as it may have sounded if i didn't tell you it might 
And I was on brand, which was really nice. That was just lucky, by the way, because there was definitely nothing. I had so many people during that conference, though, come up to me, and they were like, Andrew, you did that on purpose. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Why I didn't. would anyone Why do would that I? on purpose? Well, they, they thought, because I was the first person going up on stage, and I ripped my pants, and it was This Is Us, and all that other stuff. They thought that it was trying to just cool the crowd down, like like try to make a point of the fact that we're just kind of, we're all people, you know? It's no big deal. We can laugh at this. And, and because it didn't seem like it bothered me all that much I guess but trust me inside I was freaking out back of the room was Sven Odia looking at the CEO and asking him if I can borrow his pants trust me that's a weird weird position to be in but it was pretty fun and, and uh, a know, great and great thing and we they, they should keep duct tape because you could have you could have <laughs> probably duct taped right we didn't have any day. time we, you know what, that would have been a great solution, uh, an excellent solution. Thank you for, you know, three, four years now later. Uh, <laughs> that's the first time I've ever thought that I could have done something like that. We were in so much of a rush uh, that, and it was literally Anthony was finishing his speech and on the, on the screen next to it, it said, Andrew Karras up next. And I'll just never forget, like kind of going, oh my God, what's going on? My favorite suit and it busted out, you know? But things happen for a reason, right? I mean... Yeah, well, you know, it's it's uh, it's how I met you was there. I think we met for the first time there. I certainly got to meet a lot more people at that point and became pseudo famous thanks to it. And then, of course, what happened at that event is we won the EV Cup, which is this huge, huge deal uh, for the network, and we were super excited. And uh, uh, you are nominated again this year. You were nominated last year, weren't you? We were. Yeah, that's just yeah, such an honor. Yeah. It's such an honor. Yeah, to even yeah, to just and be so to be nominated twice. Yeah, and trust me, like I watch what you guys are doing and I, I know you as a person and I know a lot of the people in your shops and stuff like that and I, it's very well deserved. And so you have my vote if I had a vote, but I don't have a vote. Um, but I have a really sneaking suspicion that this might be your year. So good luck. Well, let's hope so. But if not, yeah. again, it's just an honor to to have been. I don't know how they make those choices. Like, I, there's so many great license partners yeah. doing amazing yeah. things all over the world. Yeah. I mean, I don't. And well, ours is for the Americas. But I mean, I don't yeah. know how they even narrow down those choices. That would be really hard. Well, they've got like seven nominees this year, and I looked at all of them. And I, there's a couple I don't know too super well, uh, but the people I do know, it's a hard choice. <laughs> like, there's a lot of really good people there, and uh, that's that's our brand, though. Like, it's really hard for me to to go down a list and go, like, where's the weak link? I, I don't I don't see it, and that's one of the huge benefits that we have, right? Now, speaking of which, uh, we're going to be doing this is happening April 26th and 27th, correct? Uh, I think those are the dates. And 28th is the EVX. And um, here in Vancouver, we are in lockdown again here in Vancouver, unfortunately. Uh, oh, no, COVID is I'm not so doing a great job in Vancouver suddenly. Uh, we've got our third wave, I think it is. And so, you know, we're trying to be careful. And so I'm trying to figure out some really like creative ways uh, to kind of get together without getting together so that we can enjoy this event because it's such a great event and I love the speakers and I want to make sure that all our advisors are sort of a part of it. But um, do you guys have any plans? Like, are you going to, are you able to get together as a group at least, even though not in a, not in we Vegas, are. but we are. So yeah, they're limited. They're limited in how, um, so I feel like our vaccines have been like I'm fully vaccinated. Um, Matt, my assistant, is fully. I mean, many, most, everyone at least has had their first shot. Our numbers mm -hmm. are way mm -hmm. down. We did spike, mm -hmm. you know that. Remember when we very first talked, and I was like, "Gosh, it's not here. Like we don't have it here." 
and then it hit and holy smokes like it just went crazy um but we here's one suggestion you might want to think about what we did for our christmas party is we um bought everybody gift boxes with champagne and like some truffles and some delicious cookies and like or maybe scones or something that came in yeah. a beautiful yeah. box we had them shipped to the office because they're alcohol so we didn't want to mess with shipping them to everybody's yeah, houses yeah. Yeah, and yeah. having nobody 21 or older there yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Sign for it. so we had them pick them up at the shops at their local shops and then we um we did a virtual party so that was pretty cool because we all um you know had champagne and toasted and so yeah. that worked yeah. out pretty well um so this year what we're doing is we i think that the I think that the mandate is a hundred. You can have a hundred people if they can socially distance. And that includes like some outside, you have to be like outside. So um, Stockman Bank here in Missoula has a sixth floor and a huge patio. Cool. And so we, unfortunately we can't invite, um, you know, significant others this year, which we have done in the past for our own mm. award ceremony. Cause we do our own. And so it just worked out well to kind of, um, to kind of go on the coattails of the EVX and and have mm-hmm. our award ceremony right after the award ceremony for EVX, which I think is on Wednesday. Is that right? It's the second day, so whatever day of the week that is. It's the twenty seventh. Oh, then Tuesday. Okay, yeah, Tuesday. So we're having it catered. Um, so we cool. have food cool. and catering. We're doing champagne and I think maybe like some other types of drinks, but not a big drinking event. I mean, it's in the during the workday. Yeah, it's early for us here on the Western Coast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Even earlier for you. So we're just doing champagne and then and and catering it. And then um, ironically, and this is what makes no sense about how these mandates work, you can't have a gathering of over 100 people without social distancing, but you can go to bars. So then what we've done is we've had all of, uh, if any significant other that wants to participate is just going to meet us at a bar after our event. Well, that's fantastic. Do it safely, but it sounds like you can. You know, the one thing I, I absolutely love about the United States of America is that, you know, you had a little bit of a bumpy ride there, uh, you know, with the start of COVID uh, in some areas and some cities. But when you put your mind to it and decide to get something done, you get her done. <laughs> you know, in Canada, we did a really good job with COVID at the very beginning of it. And now we're at the stage where we need to get people vaccinated and we need to get people, you know, shots in arms. And it's taking forever for us to do that. And, uh, and it's kind of frustrating so like my mom who's 70 something years old is uh you know just getting her vaccine this week uh you know and so we need to we need to get moving on that so right now unfortunately we can't do any gatherings uh we're not even allowed to have many people in our offices there was talk of still keeping offices closed right now and so it's kind of a bummer because we can't we're such a social group and we just love being together and we thought we were so close we feel like we're so close you know um but uh you know it's nice to know that you guys will be having a good time and i'll just be on a screen by myself staring at you (laughs) watching the party well facetime me yeah exactly bring us into the party that'd be a great idea jack gettles is coming to our party so we're excited to see him and um i think it'll be fun i mean i don't think our entire team's not coming just because we're kind of spread out a bit yeah um they always come to the awards and we do a big deal for our local awards um and so typically they would come and bring their significant other and we do a big food and you know and a big party and it's a lot of fun and you know usually they stay then in missoula where missoula is kind of centrally located from our shop so that's yeah i've seen um, that but it'll be uh, let me ask you this in canada how did this work because in the united states what happened is masks 
even the vaccine to some degree became very political. Mm. What about there? Like it became very, it's an election year. So it became very much like there, there were a lot of, like, yeah, it was a stance. Of, it was, yeah. Yeah. Like there were a lot of Trump, you know, lovers that just are not going to yep. get the vaccine and they're not going to go down the, and it's a, it's the flu. It's nothing more than the flu. I mean, it's been a yep. weird time for the United States, to be honest. It's been a really weird time. Yeah. I, I mean, as an observer, I would suggest that, yes, it has. It's been a weird time for us to watch what's going on in, in, down there and, and seeing the divide. Like, there's such a strong divide. We we definitely did not have that up here. I mean, in, in Canada, it was all about compassion and, and just trying to be safe and trying to take care of things. And so uh, we get daily announcements uh, from our health services and they come on the news and they tell us what's up and what's going on. And but they're tired. I mean, it's it's tiring and we need to sort of get past it. And what's happened is we're into this third wave because I guess of these variants that are happening all over the world are, I think, a lot more contagious from the sounds of it. And so uh, including our, our, our hockey team, the Vancouver Canucks, I think uh, just got pummeled by COVID just recently and 17 out of 22 of them are, are not able to play. So there's no there's no hockey, which to a Canadian is a real downside. But, um, but more importantly, Importantly, I talked to a, a member of the staff there, and he just said it's just crazy how quickly it spread, and and you know we just need to get shots in arms. I mean that's what we're all aiming towards right now is just getting shots in arms and and trying to make sure that people get vaccinated. It, 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 there's a little bit of a political side to it, of course, just like anywhere there would be. Uh, some people are against masks and uh, make a scene here and there and every once in a while, but nothing nothing dramatic uh, has happened um, not, not at that like point. Here. Not to the not to the extent, mm -hmm. but you were dealing with so many other things. I think that that boils out to so many other things that were happening with the election and with uh, you know the the tragedy with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and everything else that you guys were sort of like talk about a collection of just like so many different negative things. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how to explain it, but you know, so watching it, I mean, it's like you're watching a. a, a, a a reality show, you know, like it doesn't even seem real. A, a, uh, a horrible one. That. A horrible one. And we know so many, like, I mean, as Canadians, uh, you know, you're our brothers and sisters down there in the United States. You know, we, uh, a lot of love and care, uh, a lot of relatives, a lot of connections, a lot of everything. And so it's really hard to watch. Um, but that's what I was saying before. Now I, I kind of feeling a little bit of a sense of pride for you guys right now, just watching the rollout of the vaccines and, and how the Biden administration's come in and really like uh, take in charge of the situation. Forget politics here. It's not about politics. It's about just making sure people aren't sick. You can be Republican, you can be Democratic, I don't care. Let's just make sure that people are getting the, the service and the, and the vaccines so that we can all kind of get on. And and for in Vancouver, I think the, the biggest thing that we're dealing with right now, and I think Ontario is dealing with it as well, is that we don't have, uh, you know, businesses are having to shut down and, and you know, it's, uh, it's hard on small business and it's hard on the people that are trying to, you know, grow and, and, and do, like our economy is just who knows what's going to happen to some of these people, you know, and that's the sad part of it, I think, more than anything. Part. So they just actually closed all the restaurants again just last week oh, no. in Vancouver. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bad. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst it's ever been. We, ha we have more cases now than we've ever had, and it's because it's, because it's ready. Now, um, we'll get through it because we, at least we know what's on the horizon. Like, we still know that th what's happening, and they are trying to get the vaccine out, but we just don't have as much access to the to the to the stuff, I guess. Andrew, that is it, that the, the new strain? Is that the new strain that... 
Yeah, I believe there's a few. I think there's a few different strains that are out there right now. But yeah, there's um, there's there's a little bit of everything. Let's just put it that way. We tried to open back up again the best that we could. Uh, people were very responsible, I think, in, in general. Most people follow uh, guidelines. I don't think there's anybody to blame here. I think it's just a, a matter of kind of how it went. And, uh, you know, but when you start announcing that there's vaccines and stuff, people are going to be a little bit more anxious to get back to regular life, right? Like get back to things. And I think we tried to do that. And unfortunately, we just are a little bit behind. So I, it's nice to hear you guys are doing well. But you also have uh, like in Montana, at least, you've got a really spread out population, right? I mean, it's from, from the looks of it. You know, I'm watching Yellowstone right now, so it's all prairies and ranches and everything else, right? And so, so, you know, you, you can socially distance so easy because that's all Montana is, right? Ranches? Well, I mean, for the most part. <laughs> but we did have, you know, we did spike in numbers for sure. Mm. I mean, we did, have, um, we did have a lot of people get sick and people die yeah. and you know it was bad and our businesses did shut down for a bit um but i think everything is pretty well open i mean we still there's still distancing so in restaurants there's maybe like every other booth is shut down so it's yeah you know, yeah yeah like that's smart in the, yeah like it was in the very beginning i i was yeah. thinking this the other day I, we went to um arizona and it's the first time we've been anywhere since last march we, in a year mm -hmm. i didn't fly go, go anywhere um and I was thinking, I'm probably always going to wear a mask now in airplanes and in the airport, just because now knowing what we know about how many mm -hmm. droplets and I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of gross. Right? 100%. I'm always worried about germs anyway. So for me, I'm just like, you know, I, I think there's probably going to be some places I always wear a mask. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it, it culturally, uh, you know, the Asian community in Vancouver, we've got a big Asian community in Vancouver, and it was very common to see people wearing masks uh, around town before before this, and I, I never really understood what it was. I never realized that that's a courtesy, not the other way around. Like, you know, you're doing it to protect others, and so if somebody's sick, then they should always be wearing a mask so that they're not passing it on to people. Like, now that, I, now that we're fully aware of that, it's like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, why wouldn't you wear a mask if you're not feeling well or you have a cold or or you're trying to protect yourselves? And so and, and on airplanes and buses, of course, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I think uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of normal will come back and there's a lot of things that are just never going to be the same ever again. And that's what happens when you have tipping points like this. And what we need to do is accept it and move forward. And, you know, it kind of leads me into the thing. Like, what do you think? the biggest effect of this virus is going to be on real estate. Like, I can't even imagine in Montana what a change has it made to you. I mean, talk about a desirable place to be, but you must have people flowing in from all parts of the country, building your population, and, you know, um, I would imagine, at least. What yeah, we do. I mean, it's um, we had a, a record year um, last year. This year, honestly, is, is kind of on target to head the same direction. Part of what we're having here is we, we're really lacking inventory. Yeah. So even though we have all these people coming in, we're kind of limited in what, what we're selling. So we're seeing things get 10 offers, um, mm -hmm. go for 100000 over list price. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of been crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah. Th that part has been a whole learning curve for us in terms of how to deal with buyers and how to make those offers accepted and it's literally they're dropping every contingency and they're paying well over asking price we went through mm -hmm. a phase of everybody was writing escalation clauses which i think is a slippery slope i mean they're 
So it just, things have been crazy. I am noticing mm -hmm. now we watch the MLS very closely, of course, and, and even myself, I was on two listing appointments today and had a new listing come up yesterday. And so we do have more inventory coming on. And I think that'll stabilize the market a bit. But honestly, mm -hmm. I don't know that it'll ever be what it was before, because I think what the pandemic taught us is that we can work remotely for the most part. Mm -hmm. People have worked out a way to work remotely. So I think that that, you know, when you can Zoom call and you can even even our physicians here, we're doing like their patient calls mm -hmm. over Zoom rather than yeah. in person, yeah. um, which saves a ton of time for everyone involved. Right. I mean, the person's not waiting in a waiting room for oh, yeah. an hour yeah. to get in. And I mean, it just I think it's changed. Um, it's interesting that that we got to see this in our lifetime and experience this in our lifetime. And although um, very tragic, I think there's always growth and opportunity that comes from tragedy. And so I think that yeah. some of the good things that are coming out of it is, is, you know, we just have learned that we can function a little bit differently, which has been hard for some of our markets. Like, you know, our New York market is struggling. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's tough. Yeah. Well, they, they're, I mean, their regulations and stuff were stricter than anybody's because of the sheer density of where they live. I mean, that's what we're talking about with, uh, with Montana. I mean, you, you, lack of inventory makes sense because you just don't have the inventory because you don't have the infrastructure because you never had the people in the first place. Like, like to that extent, right? Um, in Vancouver, we're seeing people moving out into the into the suburbs much more because they can work remotely. But we're also seeing uh, the the rise in recreational property, myself included. I bought a place in the Caribou, which is um, about five hours north. Uh, of Vancouver. Uh, it, when I look at the caribou and the style of the caribou and I watch, uh, you know, what's, you know, look at what Montana is, it's like, I feel like I'm in Montana. Like it's so similar, rolling hills, horses, you know, beautiful lakes, fishing, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I see you're wearing a jean jacket. I need to get myself a jean jacket now because I'm, I have a place in the caribou and I need to get a cowboy hat and I'm going to go down that path. But, <laughs> um, but people like myself who just kind of like have a different sort of view on what's important to them and and being able to escape and still work is really kind of an interesting sort of concept as well right like i can go up to the cabin and still do most of what i do here um i still need to be in person and i don't really want to be going there to work but the point is i could if i wanted to and so you see the shift on where people are buying and and very much every shift that we have here from what i understand kind of fits the the sort of the map or the geog same geography that you have in, in Montana, you know, so I can see why other states would be kind of flocking towards you guys um, and wanting to buy there, but there needs to be something to buy, right? That's right. Yep. And I think, I mean, for me, I've been fortunate because I've always kind of more um, serviced more the, the luxury sector mm -hmm. of the market. And, you know, some of those listings can sit on the market for three, four years. I mean, it, they, they sure. can take sure. a while to sell. And so, um, I think I looked the other day and I'm down to like under 30 listings and I haven't had under <laughs> 60 for since I started. Like it's kind of crazy. Like at one time I had over a hundred listings and I'm literally okay. down to like. Can we, go, can we take a step back here, Don, for a second? Cause I just found that comment absolutely hilarious. Like you personally have only 30 listings right now. Is that what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> so when I sold real estate more often, if I had more than five, I was like, that was like huge, 
So I always tried to keep myself around two or three listings at a time. Uh, but the concept of having up to 60 listings, 100 listings is just absolutely asinine to me. How do you even do that? How do you do that and run all these shops? That was one of my questions here. One of my 10 questions. <laughs> so remember that, um, that especially with the higher end stuff, like you don't show those every day. You know, we require... Mm -hmm. Um, we require that people provide proof of funds so that we know that they're legitimate and we don't just allow looky-loos. So we, you know, we go to all of our showings, but we make sure that the buyers are qualified. So you don't get showings every day on those. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing that I've just, you know, been really fortunate and I've built a, a fantastic support team. Um, mm -hmm. So I, you know, I don't have to do that all by myself. And I didn't even have like, um, besides Katie, who's been with me for a long time, I didn't have an assistant for a really long time. And then I kind of went through a couple that weren't, you know, weren't good fits. And then um, now I have Matt, which I know you've been corresponding with. And yeah. he's been awesome. Yeah. So it's just uh, so shout out to shout Matt. Out to Matt. <laughs> yeah, you just have to do, uh, you have to find a good support team. Um, yeah. So yeah. I always say too, like I'm, I consider myself like a really excellent facilitator and marketer. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in anything. Like I just, I facilitate, I, I market, and I look at ways to market, and, and that's, you know, everything else I leave to the pros that are in those other fields. Yeah, smart. You got to delegate, right? So in, in, on top of that, uh, you said you have, did you say nine locations right now? Is that correct? Yes. Did you say nine? Yes. Yep. Yeah. We're opening our yeah. ninth so, right now. We're just in the, in the process of construction in Helena, Montana. Helena. I had Helena, Helena on Capital, my list. I had is it? I see. There you go. I didn't even learn that on Wikipedia when I tried to learn about you before I came onto the. <laughs> I was reading the Wikipedia. That's how I knew about Bring the Ponderosa tree. Should, yeah, I would, we should try to. Um, when when the pandemic is, you know, when it's safe, you should bring your family and come to Montana. I mean, it's really and over where uh, where Pollyanna's shops are too. I mean, that's a. It's just a beautiful. State. Oh, it, genuinely, it, it's a beautiful it, state. That would be fun. Your kids would have a lot of fun. I I uh, I did not. I admit I did not know much about Montana before I met you and Pollyanna and Brett and and uh, like, and I've learned about it since then. And so you know, when I first met Brett, he we, we have something in common. His kid's a really star baseball player or a good baseball player. And my son, who's younger, was going through baseball, so he was really wonderful about kind of just giving me some hints and talking to me about baseball and supporting your kids and stuff like that. And that's what I love about this company, by the way, is like we don't get together and just talk real estate. We try to learn about one another and try to really make sure that we kind of understand each other personally. Uh, and I think that's what makes us all really good at what we do as well as we're very professional when it comes to the job. Uh, but when, you know, we're, we're not overbearing, we're not intimidating, we're not, we're just here to help you, you know, like really the client experience is the number one. Sorry, that was a little bit of an off sort of <laughs> side of things, but. Um, it's just so true. Yeah. And so we, you know, at the end of the day, I am definitely going to come down to Montana because I actually even looked at the roadmap to figure out exactly how I'm going to get there. And if I come down through a Soyuz and in through Washington, I think you go through Spokane and you can get really close to finding my way into Missoula. Yep, Is that that's correct? Right. So we're, Missoula, we're about th three hours from Spokane. So that's pretty close. And how, how close in proximity are these shops, though? Because I was looking at the map, and you are dead center of the most of the shops that you have. But, like, how far away is the, the shop furthest away from you? Uh, so Whitefish is about three hours. Okay. Um, okay. So that one's, that one's a ways, and that is up there. We have a ton of um, Canadian clients up in that, oh. Up oh. In that um, region. And so that's a resort town. It's a beautiful town. There's Whitefish Lake. It's close to Flathead Lake. Um, there's skiing there. I mean, that's a really beautiful resort town. 
And then, um, then we have a shop in Kalispell, which is close to Whitefish. We have one over in Columbia Falls. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Polson, which is on kind of the southern end of Flathead Lake. Right. And then right. Missoula, um, Stevensville, which is on the in the in the Bitterroot Valley. So right. it's south. Right. South. And then um, and then Hamilton. So uh, and that now we'll have Helena, and then next will be Great Falls. Um, and then I think I'm done. I've been thinking about <laughs> one other town, but I don't know. As I kind of look at their numbers, I don't know that. How many How many people do you have in each one of these locations? Is it Is it like, uh, you know, typically how many advisors are they? All little small shops, or are they? Are they? Do you have a lot of people? I was looking at your. Quite big, right? So I think um, some of our, yeah, they all vary. To be honest, they all vary. I think that total. I think that we're at um, maybe just under a hundred. Okay, and yeah, we're both same. Our ironically, our support staff. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're just around a hundred or so, but in three locations, but all in Vancouver. I mean, we got Carousel uh, downtown, and then in in West Vancouver, so they're all within, you know, half an hour drive of one another. But you're um, not so we have lots of other shops around us. Yeah, no. that's the thing no, no, with no, Montana no. is we're just so spread out. So I remember when I was meeting with. Um, you know, Jake and Jim, I was like, I mean, we have to, that's why we came up with Western Frontier. Like, I'm like, we can't label every single shop as its own thing. Mm -hmm. Like we need to be kind of one big group because Montana's so large and so sparsely populated. Like we have to be able to hit some of these little towns and have shops in those towns. Yeah. I, I, I pulled up a map just to find out where all your, all your little shops were. And I, I think it's, it's pretty neat actually to see kind of how they're all spread around and it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Do you use do you use like a market center sort of an idea? Like is Missoula like where all all the kind of insider stuff happens, or uh, like marketing and whatnot? Or does every every office have their own sort of facilities? Each office has their own admin. Um, okay. So their admin is their support person. We do we have one marketing director, um, and then we have one gal that kind of in charge of the admins, kind of heads up the admins. She's out of Whitefish, or uh, I take that back. We just moved her to the Kalispell shop. Um, so, you know, we're, I mean, we're set up, um, I think we're in pretty good shape that way. So everybody has help in their shop, but then like, you know, the marketing director, they know that they can call her and they call her from all the different shops. Um, and then we just added recently a couple of interns and that's worked out. Well. Oh, fun. Those, oh, yeah. fun. Are, yeah. They're whizzes at that social media. Oh, that's cool. Hey, yeah, you, you got to get it. I've got a crew in front of me right now that is uh, uh, takes care of it all because it's not my thing. I love it. I think it's super important. I think we need to be a big part of it. I don't know if you've seen our YouTube channel, but we're trying to get YouTube channel. We got podcasts. We got all those sorts of things. You're doing the podcast. That's why it's so nice that we're able to sort of collaborate on these things. Uh, I, I think it'd be fun for us to do this more often. I often thought that we should be doing like panels between, uh, between different places all over the um, all over the North America um, network, right? That'd be kind of fun we for us. We should be doing that, yeah. Andrew. Yeah. You should, yeah. you should get that going market. and set it up. We do those within our own um, DJ, one of our supervising brokers. Um, it, he has set up a couple of um, best practices panels. Yes. And, uh, yes. you know, we did one just recently about how to help your buyer's offer be accepted when they're competing with 10 other offers. And so um, usually what we do is we pick out a few people that have done a good job in one of those areas and 
um, you know, or, or in whatever top that topic is, and we have them on the panel and then invite everybody to, to tune in. And we've had good success with that. You should do that. We should do that. I think, uh, and I think Anthony was talking about doing something similar. So I, I you know, we'll, we'll have to put a little bit more pressure on him. It'd be great if head office sort of had us all sort of like they could choose who they want to talk to at different times to mix it up. I think it'd be pretty fun, wouldn't it? Um, what you just brought something up that I wanted to bring, uh, and now I've lost it. I think my, uh, I think I've I've lost my train of thought is what's happened here unfortunately but I uh, I, I know I, I there was something I was just going to bring up oh I the multiple offers so what's re really interesting about that Don is we've been doing multiple offers or had like a crazy market in Vancouver for as long as I've been in this business and so we have tricks and different things that people do now I'm sure there's different legalities between the contracts that you write and the contracts that we write but I did a podcast uh, the last one that we did and we talked about how to give your sellers or buyers advantages in those situations. And I got calls from other people in our network that wanted to talk to us about how we're doing it in Vancouver so that they could take it into their market, which I think is a really interesting thing. Like, yeah, like just to share ideas, right? Yeah, because I think it's a really good thing. I mean, it doesn't always work uh, the same way because we have a different process, but just to hear what certain people do to give advantages or how they present or how they do things, uh, that's like a huge value add to one another and how we could share our information. So that was another kind of, especially since it seems like almost every market in the North America right now is dealing with, uh, you know, market, like multiple, multiple, multiples. Um, we are here too in Vancouver. I mean, it's chaotic uh, is what it is. And so people are trying to find that next advantage. It's, it's hard. And the thing that's really hard for me is, I mean, I just went to a listing appointment today for a really beautiful home that I'm super excited to get to get going. And they were asking about, you know, the biggest thing right now is they're like, well, here's the problem. We're going to sell our house for a top dollar, but where do we go? Yeah. Where do we go? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. like, I wish I would have invested yeah. in Airstream because I probably should be selling a few of them right now. I'm like, I don't know. What <laughs> That's a really good it, point. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there is, yeah, you got to, well, you got to decide if you're going to buy first or sell first. That's kind of the, and when then you're in a hot market. And also the hard part is with some of these buyers, when we're getting them into these properties and I know they're paying more than mm -hmm. I probably would be comfortable with, but it's what, mm -hmm. it's what they want to do. Yeah, and I yeah. just tell them right up front, like, listen, there's, I don't know what's happening next. Cause that's what everybody like. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. Like there's no way mm -mm. for us to know right now. The crystal balls are not, <laughs> not mm -mm. working. No. Um, well, we're not dealing with something that anybody's dealt with before. That's right. right? And, and, and so yeah. I tell them right up front, I just want you to know that in three years, if you decide to sell, I don't know that I'll be able to get you your money back out. I don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah. And, and you, you know what? You need to give those warnings. If there's one thing I can tell you from our experience here in Vancouver is that you have to provide the information to the client and it's uh, realtors advise clients decide. That's kind of how it works. Right. And so make sure that your advice is documented so that in a few years, because their memories are going to be lost unless the market keeps going up. Um, which I think it, I think, I mean, in Montana from kind of an outsider's point of view, I think you're pretty safe under the new conditions that we're going to be moving forward into. You know, I really do. As long as the, it, it all depends on how the province and, or sorry, the province, the state decides they want this to go. Uh, in our case, our province started putting down regulations on taxes and, and, you know, trying to basically keep people from buying here because the price was going up and we were pricing out the, the locals. 
which again puts me right back to the Yellowstone conversation, which is exactly what the the whole show is about, right? It's like they don't want to change a, a way of life. They don't want to build a city in a beautiful area. They want to keep it to themselves, right? And so it's really just a matter of, you know, if Montana decides that they want to bring people in and develop, well, they probably have a good opportunity to sell that stuff right now, I would imagine. And we've even had yeah. like weird, um, you know, I mean, every now and then I get, you know, some hate mail and, you know, stop selling our state to all these outside mm-hmm. rich pigs, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I'm like, come on, yeah. d- seriously, like, that's not how it works. They're coming no. up regardless of whether I'm the one selling it or not. Like, they're, you know, yeah. and that's just how the world works. Like, that's progress. And we're in America. They have the option to move here if they want to. Like, it's. And, and you know what? Cool. Those those people usually bring in uh, a value as well. Uh, you know, when they bring in there, there can be for economy, for, for growth. Uh, if their children grow up in Montana, then they're going to be, uh, you know, have opportunities. We say that all the time about, you know, immigration into Vancouver. People always talk about this driving prices up. I say, no, it's building the city. I mean, this is what we were built on to start with. And, and this is our future. Like the kids of the people who are buying here right now is the future of our city because they're, they're the ones who are going to be investing it. And they're using yeah, more exactly. services. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're, exactly. they're eating at restaurants. They're buying groceries. They're hiring right. contractors. Like they're creating new jobs. Yeah. I just, I That's don't right. have a lot of patience for that whole mindset. But people are protective as well, which I kind of understand too. But, it, you know, everybody has their right. And if they, if they're into the market, then they're in the market and they're usually okay with it. It's the people who aren't in the market that get upset by it because they feel like they'll never get the chance. Right. Um, which I sort of understand. I totally lost track of the my 10 questions with. <laughs> so I think I asked you around 10 questions, if not more. But, um, you know, we've, we've, we've taken a lot of time here and all sort of stuff. Is there anything, Don, that you wanted to kind of finish up on? Or is there anything you want to do? I, I really, really appreciate I having you on. I feel like we could go on for hours. Uh, please, fire away. I have one for you. Um, I just wanted to talk. It's something I'm very interested in. And so I just want to get your input. What are your thoughts about UFOs? About, oh, yes. Well, I think that they are very much real. And uh, they are uh, most likely in Montana somewhere. That's my guess. They're going to land in the open spaces in Montana. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that one. Um, I, I believe that there's something else out there. I do believe there's, there's got to be. There's just got to be. I, I, I can't figure out how on earth uh, we could be the only ones. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, really, when you think about it. Now, are they close or are they on our planet? No, I don't think that they're necessarily here, but I do believe that one day we'll find them or they'll find us. That's what I think. Well, I think they probably already go. know about us. We just haven't. And I actually think that um, there's probably someone in in our world that does know about them. Um, but they uh, maybe. haven't. Yep. Yeah, they haven't really released yeah. it. Um, and then, well, that's the know, Area 51, isn't it? Yeah, that's that. You know what yeah. Area 51 is? Yeah, yeah. That. Um, also, another quick question, and we haven't ever talked about this before, but um, have you ever seen a ghost? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you a story about this. Um, so personally, have I not physically seen one? No. Um, my mother, uh, we lived in an old house uh, when I was a teenager, and she sold the house. And uh, a couple of weeks after we sold the house, uh, the new owners called and were yelling at her on the phone. And my mom's like, no, 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 they're just testing you. Don't worry. It's no big deal. All this sort of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, what, like, what is going on? What are you talking about? And my mom says, uh, oh, they're, the spirits in the house are on their case. And I said, 
well, what do you mean spirits in the house, mom? What are you talking about? And she's like, well, didn't you always feel that there were spirits in the house? And I'm like, yeah, as a kid, I thought I was just a scaredy cat that didn't want to go into the basement, but I totally always felt like there was people in the house anyway. So these people called and they were yelling at my mom because they asked her the question because they were worried about something like that. And my mom said, yes, but they're friendly. And unfortunately, they were she, they were waking up in the middle of the night and there was loud music playing and pots were banging, things were coming out of the cabinets, all sorts of stuff. Now, did I witness it? No, I didn't. But my mom actually went to the house apparently afterwards to try to help settle down the spirits within the house. So there you go. They were just mad So do I believe? I believe. You, they're mad that you I guess so. They were just testing it. Yeah. Yeah, apparently my mom said when we moved in that she felt like they tested her when they moved in too. I just don't know anything about it because she didn't share it with me. But there you go. So My cousin that lives in Vancouver, um, they lived in a house. This was a story I forgot about until you just told that. They lived in a house that they, you know, they like in the front entry, they would leave all their shoes, like in mm -hmm. the front entry. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, they would get up in the morning, like more than once this happened, they would get, I'm going to have to ask my mom the, the, to remind me of this story but they would get up in the morning and the shoes would be all strewn throughout the house. And so they moved mm. out and I think cupboards opening <laughs> and other things that they probably yeah, weren't yeah. all that excited about. So they moved out of the house and then the same thing started happening to the neighbor. It's yeah. I totally 100% believe in spirits and stuff like that. Do you like have that. to so disclose yes. that in Canada? Do you have to disclose if there's spirits or not? If you believe that the stigma is important to the purchaser, i.e. if a purchaser comes in and makes a comment and asks the question, then you would have to disclose it. But if they don't bring it up as a concern, then you don't have to bring it to their attention. Wow. That makes so sense? we don't have to disclose that in Montana. Yeah. No, you would if you were asked directly and you thought that that was the case. There's one really famous house in, uh, in Vancouver that's got all sorts of crazy stories. And it was just sold recently to be put a development on it. And I'll tell you what, I will not be buying in that development because I believe in those stories. Yeah, and uh, I mean, maybe it's nothing, but there's some pretty crazy stories about what's happened in the house and includes people moving in and then their, lo their luggage and all being packed and on the, on the lawn after the, like their first night, like repacked and on the lawn. That's the story. If you read up, if you go online, I think there's a uh, Van City Buzz, I think it's the name of a, of a site that we have. And they had a top most haunted houses in Vancouver. I remember it and it was number one. And I've heard a ton of stories about this house. I'm actually anyway. gonna, so if I Google that, I'll find it? I think so, yeah. Look at most haunted houses in, in Vancouver and I bet you find it. It's on, I don't wanna say where it is, but it, you'll see it. <laughs> Great, Yeah. That, that was really my, I kind of- am Those are your questions? Stuff right now. Yeah, those are mostly Why? Why are you into it? Are you, are you, are you dealing with something? Oh, no, uh-uh, no, just interested nope. in kind of the whole other. You know, I, yeah, I get the other what realm. I've been really into lately is manifesting. Like I am truly making magical things happen. That's awesome. I believe in that hundred percent. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Go for it's it. It's been good. You can do it. So manifest your win coming up in a couple of weeks. Your big that win. That decision's already made. I might be too late trying to manifest that. I should have thought about that earlier in the year. Oh, that's a good point. It's being made, but you may have already manifested it enough. I still think it's yours to lose. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I appreciate the vote of confidence. And if you do win, yeah. I'm going to call you. Oh, do. I want to I FaceTime your group and give them big congratulations as a, as a keep, previous. So do you get to keep the cup in your store? You get to keep it in your store? You'll get the real cup for a year, and then you got to give it back for the next year, and then they give you a little mock one. 
So we have a little cup that sits in our office with all the fun trophies that we've won through Angle Invokers. I don't think I've ever been so honored in my whole life than I have been with Angle Invokers, which is just outstanding because we don't really feel like we try it. Like that's not our goal to win these things. It's just to be good. And then we get all these great accolades and it's, it's quite fun. And it feels really good when you're doing it amongst peers you really respect, you know? Yeah. And, and I think yeah. that um, that is one thing that I will say about the previous brokerages that I was at is they didn't spend much time rewarding. And I think that mm. it is important. I mean, I think, you know, as as um, commissioned salespeople, like we work so hard and I think it's mm -hmm. so nice to be acknowledged. So we make a big deal out of that. We really do. We make we even have some incentives. Like if you hit your goal, um, you know, it kind of changes the structure of your of your situation for the yeah, next year. Which is great. Which is great. We do that too. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a important. great idea. It's important. Yeah. It is. I, I couldn't agree more, especially with how hard people work. And, and, you know, speaking of which, when I was talking, I still can't get over how many things you're doing at once. So congratulations on being not only successful at every little category of everything that you're doing, but I still don't really, I don't think I got the answer to how you do it. You said you have a great team, but as one person, it's got to be a lot of, things on your back i would imagine and uh i think you do it really really well so congratulations i think Thank it's really you, cool Andrew. to watch that's so nice of yeah. you to say and i am well, you're to welcome. kind of delegate more we're we're kind of yeah. um always looking at ways to kind of restructure and and again i wouldn't be able to do it we're in a situation now where truly if i don't have appointments for a day like i can just stay home and work um, yeah it's true home and, it and helps doesn't it sometimes i have to do that sometimes i have to just check out because i i get really grouchy sometimes so <laughs> <laughs> secret that's your secret you can keep that we all get grumpy sometimes that's that's just part of it but uh uh you know i've never seen it necessarily let's put it that way so as a as a colleague and somebody who gets to see you on a you know semi-regular basis at events and stuff like that uh you've always been extremely yeah, pleasant not yet no no but if you ever do have one and you really need to talk you can always call me i'd be happy to to be on the other end and and listen and got good ears i'm happy to happy to listen and happy to help anytime so and I, I think that's just kind of like maybe to sum it up that's kind of what this company is all about is like good and bad we're here for you let's get through it let's work together let's be confident let's be great you know and uh, let's do good on our on our people on our consumers did you have that um that sense of camaraderie places that you've been before did you have that kind of collaboration <sighs> You know, what's really interesting is my, my dad owned the company that we worked for when I first started, but he wasn't the owner at the time I started. He had gone away and come back. And uh, when I grew up, I grew up in the hallways of this company, and it, it felt like that to me. And I, I know that's what he had and what he was trying to create back then was a real excellent family unit of a company uh, that did their job really, really well. And uh, great company, nothing nothing negative to say about it. Uh, when we went to Sotheby's, we were a little alone. It wasn't a lot of people there. Uh, it wasn't very big in Vancouver. Uh, great marketing company, but I didn't never felt like from a real estate angle that they knew how to support their the advisors. And that could be because they were small or, or in Vancouver or not as established or whatever the case may be. Um, but we created it ourselves. So we had this little 35 group person. We had a satellite office when we were at Sotheby's and we sort of decided to create that on our own. And that's kind of how Angle Invokers found us, is that they kind of heard that that's what we had done. And we were sort of independent from the mothership, if that makes sense. Uh, it's 
kind of hard to explain, but we were kind of just doing our own thing and using the brand. I mean, it was a great brand. It's great marketing and all that sort of stuff. And, um, but th- what England Volkers has is like a great brand, great marketing, and then great real estate company, great people, great, like it just like everything piled on top of everything that we liked about where we were before and then taking it to a whole nother level. And so, uh, we certainly are trying to create that or, or, or we have that now thanks to England Volkers, but it was something that we always tried to have. It's like our culture sort of matched perfectly. It was like a good match. We swiped, would it, would it be right or left, right? <laughs> I don't know. Never got to do Tinder, but, <laughs> you I know, that sort Bumble. of thing. That's on Bumble, right? Bumble? Oh, Bumble. I don't know. Don't get me in trouble. I haven't been on any of those things. <laughs> anyway, um, Don, it's probably best uh, time for us to say goodbye for now, but I really appreciate having you on, and um, I wish you the best of luck coming up, and I want I will be one of your first calls uh, when you win uh, the cup, and uh, I hope, cross fingers and all that good stuff. And um, say hi to everybody in your shop and down there in Montana. I fully intend on coming and visiting, and you are always welcome welcome to come up here as you probably already knew but uh please come visit us in vancouver let's definitely make that happen now that travel travel restrictions are going to be a little bit easier here shortly i'm so sorry to hear that your community is on lockdown again and um wish you all the best with that it'll be short term you you'll get i hope so i i think so I think so. I think we're on, we're like everybody else, we're on a path. We're just a little slower up here. Is, is there, we don't have as much access to it. I think that's part of the problem. I know everybody's trying to do their best. So we're, we're in a good spot. Let's put it that way. Uh, generally, except for the, unfortunately, the numbers have grown. And so we got to put a stop to it. So it is what it is. Everybody's dealing with it. And um, real estate market's still hot though. That hasn't really seemed to stop anything there. So yeah. in any case. It was so awesome to have you on. You are the first virtual sort of back and forth, which is kind of fun. I hope this, uh, hope this, the listeners kind of enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again anytime. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for watching today's episode. For more video content, please like, comment, and subscribe below.